0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Jackman Radio. I'm flying solo tonight. Mike has band practice with his band, which is the best band in New Hampshire called Northern Stone. And uh, really excited tonight to be joined by this guest. Um, I've been a fan of her work for a while, and uh, she just put out a banger video on Instagram exposing Meatball Ron, digging into who he is and what he's all about. So we'll be getting to that later. But I want to welcome uh, Quinn Driggs to Jackman Radio. Quinn, thanks for joining me tonight.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, this is going to be good. I um, yeah, I first heard about you when you did my show, uh, my friend Reed Coverdale show.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably that was... that was last year. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was definitely in 2022. I think maybe in the fall or something, but that was really fun. I really liked doing Reed's show. It was a good one. Yeah, Reed's awesome. Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, I do a show with him. We haven't done it in a few months. Uh, the Four Horsemen, me, him, and Ryan Dawson. I don't okay. know if you've ever I've seen that. Or... This,
1: I've heard of this Four Horsemen, but I haven't watched anything. So now I'm definitely going to do that.
0: Yeah, we we got a pretty epic back catalog, um, but we've kind of just all been like busy, and Ryan uh, has moved recently, so we kind of we're on a little bit of a hiatus. But we'll we'll be back at some point.
1: Oh, well, you're all New Hampshire people, right?
0: Well, Reed's here in New Hampshire. I'm in New Hampshire, and uh, Ryan is in Korea. Oh. Okay. Yeah, he was in, he was in Japan, and then he moved. So, yeah, that was, that's a, that's a whole, uh, that's, I can imagine that's a whole to do getting your family moving your, because he's got young kids and he's married and he had to oh, yeah. move everything over to Korea. So, and he's, he's in South Korea, just to be clear, he's not in North Korea with my friend Rocketman. Yeah. Okay. He's not, he's in, he's in the right Korea, although I like North Korea. They're very nice people, Quinn. They're very nice people. And, be, and before we were rolling, everyone watching, listening, I warned Quinn about my impressions and. The political comedy and the and the uh, shenanigans. And,
1: yeah, um, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. We... Yeah, you're with how... my Shane Gillis, which I really. Oh
0: man, what, what an you're honor actually,
1: to be... Yeah, you might be surpassing him. The more you oh. do it, the more I'm impressed. That's,
0: that's that's an honor to hear that right there. <laughs> I, I hold I hold Shane in very high regard. He, he his Trump impression is great. Um, but like the my all time favorite is Daryl Hammond. He's like the OG Donald Trump impersonator. He did I him... don't know
1: that one. I need to look.
0: Yeah, he did him in the 90s on SNL. He was on Saturday Night Live. And uh, the reason I like Daryl Hammond's and and I like Shane Gillis's too is they don't come from a place of hate. They're not just doing it because they hate Donald Trump. Like when you're impersonating someone and and you go that deep into it, especially if you're going to dress up like them like I've done with Trump, on some level you have to like like things about that character and their personality and their behavior and their stuff. There's a there's a there's a real uh, pathology to it.
1: Yeah, that makes um, sense we can, actually.
0: We can we can dedicate a whole episode to that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Quinn. So you um, you were living in the Middle East, and you're back in America now.
1: Yeah, we just moved to Florida. Awesome, the
0: free state of Florida.
1: Right, with my guy DeSantis, DeS- Ron DeSantis-, <laughs> DeSantis is actually DeSantis- what I usually
0: DeSantis- call DeSantis. DeSantis or Meatball the Führer Meatball. He's the mighty Meatball Führer of Florida. He's. <laughs> He's not doing so well, Quinn. He's not doing so well. Um, But, yeah, you really put out just like a banger of a reel on Instagram about DeSantis and his record and his background. And a lot of people don't know this. Um, You know, Abby Martin and Mike Preisner of Empire Files put one out a few months ago, and, you know, a good amount of people watched it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it, it kind of went over a lot of the stuff you had talked about. But um, what, like – where did you first hear about Desantis and in, in his background, and you know what kind of response have you been getting about that?
1: Right. Um, first of all, I love Empire Files and I love Abby Martin; she's awesome. So I'm, I'm I have never even seen that, but I first heard about Desantis um, and uh, Guantanamo because uh, I listen to Scott Horton's show all the time, and he had um, a writer that usually writes at Defense Priorities and the American Conservative. Her name's Bonnie Kristin on. And she was talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, this is crazy." And I mean, obviously, up until this point, I have like plenty of thoughts about Ron DeSantis. I feel like, to me, in what I've seen, it's just so politiciany, you know. And I feel like we've, especially like people on the right, have really gotten away from that. Like, what makes Trump kind of so likable is because he really just says it how it is. And I have plenty of things to say about why I don't like Trump. Obviously. Um, But I feel like he kind of he just created a new playbook in politics, I feel like, with what he did in 2016 and the way he ran his campaign. And I feel like Ron DeSantis is really trying to kind of toe that line between I got like a like a Bushism or a Bush arrow neoconservative and like mix that with this like America Firstism that's rising. And he just seems fishy to me. Like I just don't trust the guy, you know, and I just feel like his rhetoric is just there's so much pandering going on and I feel that he's just very insincere. And I don't know, I know that he's like, and I said in the video, like, yeah, he's rightly hailed for like what he did in COVID, you know, but we rarely ever talk about the governor of South Dakota and what, you know, they did in and COVID. And so, um, yeah, he got it right. But like, even part of me, just being honest, feels like he just did that because he was, you know, politically politically like inept like he knew what was going to come after you know and i felt like he maybe just saw things on the horizon possibly of where things were turning um and like where to be so that he could have better political aspirations later so yeah when it comes to the guantanamo stuff should we get into that now
0: yeah i guess yeah let's just dive into that so tell the people what you discovered about uh desantis and Just why any human with a heart and a soul should be troubled and alarmed by
1: this. Exactly. So in the video, um, I talk about how he was a JAG lawyer in the Navy from 2006 to 2007, which is actually one of the most violent years at Guantanamo Bay. Um, There was like a couple deaths that happened. And officially, they said that the deaths were suicide. But when you really look into the investigation of that, it's pretty strange because... Like there's basically no way that these people could be committing suicide and like the way that it lined up, like it all happened at the same time and in the same way. So pretty sketchy. Um, And then alongside of that, there was like major issues with force feeding and stuff like that. And so he was there during a violent year and he wasn't there for an entire year. I believe he was only there for like six, seven, eight months, someone along that line. Um, But he actually talks about in his book, the courage to be free, which I just think it's hilarious type of courage,
0: courage to torture.
1: <laughs> he says that, um, you know, one of the things that motivated him to join the military in 2004 was the prospect of being able to be deployed to Guantanamo. And then he said in a CBS um, station interview that he volunteered to go to Gitmo. That's what he called it. You know, mm. that in and of itself is all I need to know. <laughs> like what in the actual hell <laughs> that's, creepy and weird
0: you're to be some kind of psychopath
1: yeah like what i don't even understand and obviously 2004 was a time when everyone knew already what was happening there you know um so think what you want about you know you can have all types of misconceptions about terrorism and middle easterners and islamic extremists you know and we'll probably get into that at some point but just the concept of torture alone should have been enough for you to steer clear of that especially because I just get so bothered when like people on the right, you know, they want to fight so much about wokeism and all these things and they have Christian values. And it's like, you are like the exact opposite of what a Christian is. If you like want to volunteer to like prosecute so-called terrorists at a torture facility, you're, you went to Harvard, you went to Yale wherever you went. I know we went to one of those two and you're supposed to be smart and you're, you know, much older than me when you decided to do this and that's where you're headed. It's, it's just strange, like that alone was enough for me. But then, um, you know, from there, he also, you know, just like the idea, and he says this in a book of being able to, you know, they were gonna need military prosecutors and being able to prosecute terrorists. Um, and then from there, uh, I mean, I don't know, I'm like, should I break down Guantanamo Bay just for the audience? Cause yeah, I
0: absolutely I that on my Instagram. Yeah.
1: A lot of people my age like really just don't know anything.
0: Well, that, That's another reason I wanted to talk to you because there's a generational gap here. Like, yes. 9-11 happened when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, Iraq War drumbeat was immediately building up. I'm seeing people in my hometown signing up at record numbers. Right. My peers, guys only two, three years older than me. Yeah. And my, my brother and I are looking around like, dude, even if you fully believe the 9-11 official story, Iraq has nothing to do with it. Iraq had yeah. nothing to do with the World Trade Center. Um, Exactly. So this is insanity. But yeah, we're seeing like a guy like Ron DeSantis is kind of charting his course and seeing his path. Mm -hmm. And if if that means having to go down there and be involved in in torture and and the most insidious abuse of other human beings known to man next to killing them, uh, it's kind of all you need to know about him. So yeah, if you want to want to break some of that down for us, please do Quinn.
1: Yeah, because I was two years old when 9-11 happened. And I just know that, you know, I feel like everyone has heard of Guantanamo Bay and associates it somewhat with torture. But I don't think they always realize that the people that were there were actually innocent people being tortured. And it doesn't matter whether you're innocent or not. But, you know, I think a lot of people can really rationalize in their heads like they should be tortured or torture leads that's, to results what or whatever struck, it is.
0: struck me about your real What was that number? Over 80% of the people there were innocent
1: well arguably every single person there is innocent Um, because there were eight convictions
0: and four of them got overturned
1: there was 800 people that ever well okay about 780 approximately that ever went into Guantanamo Bay um and only eight people have ever been convicted uh, four of those convictions have actually since been overturned and the convictions, the fiction convictions in the first place aren't done in a fair manner, which is half the issue. Um, and a lot of them are done just through plea deals. And so it's really just a matter of like, they got a confession from their torture sessions, which should be thrown out of court immediately. Right. And that's why a lot of them were overturned. They just can't be held up. But then unfortunately they just get caught in this like limbo system. And and I guess we'll talk about that. Um, But yeah, so I would arguably say that, like, every single person in Guantanamo is essentially innocent, maybe except for, like, Abu Zubaydah, you know, which we have, like, pretty clear evidence on that. But everyone else was essentially random Afghans and Arabs that were just rounded up. Um, So basically what I talk about is, um, well, first of all, like, we know that the opening of Guantanamo Bay was, it's against the Bill of Rights, which represents people not just americans it's against the u.s constitution um under a couple different amendments it's against the geneva conventions um an article 5 and then it's against the u.n convention against torture which you know the u.s is a signatory to and um 86 percent of the detainees weren't even captured by u.s forces they were sold to the u.s for bounties so they basically incentivized different Afghan and Pakistani allies to go out and just round up whoever they deemed was suspicious. Um, and it could be really anyone crossing the Afghan Pakistan border. And so that's what they did, you know, and a lot of these people, like some of them were boys, right? So there was about 15 teenagers involved in this, which is just like, makes me really sick in my stomach. And, um, there was people that made literally millions of dollars for selling these people to the US and they get $5,000 per head, which is life-changing money obviously for them. So just the twisted incentives that are involved are, are, that's enough, like that's it, that's all you need to know at that point, except that there's more. Um, So yeah, and then um, once they turned them over to US custody, um, they didn't screen them they didn't do anything that would determine whether they should even be there or not. Um, and they admit this, you know, and I can we can link maybe a couple articles that go way, way deeper into this than I did on my video. Um, but it's just really sad. And, and there's one man. Um, frick, I know that I'm like going to forget his name, but I know he's from Yemen. Um, I want to say it's Abu Adefa, and he um, is Yemeni. And he um, was sent to Afghanistan to do research on uh, Al-Qaeda. And he's like a scientist and he was one of the people, you know, he's an affluent man. He has like a full career. He was one of the people that was taken into US custody and sent into Guantanamo and was there for years and years and years. And he was tortured. And he came forward in one of these articles. I didn't even get into this in the video because there just wasn't enough time or space because I wanted to try to keep it short. And obviously it's alleged, right? But he's like, I remember DeSantis's face, like. Once I saw him running for governor, like, of course, his face came back to me um, and things like that. And we'll get into why. It's because DeSantis, you know, was intimately involved with the detainees because of his job description. So they weren't even screened in the first place. And like, that's just one story out of hundreds of just this man who has done nothing wrong. And they even like picked up people that were part of the Northern Alliance, (laughs) who's supposed to be our allies you know like it's nuts it's absolutely nuts or they you know whoever was suspicious was anyone that was essentially arab um, that was in afghanistan because they're arab then that supposedly means that they're part of al-qaeda so
2: it's just gross
1: um and then obviously like i got into the different types of torture they were subjected to which is sexual assault exposure to extreme temperatures waterboarding sound and light manipulation exploitation of personal fears Beatings, sleep deprivation, starvation, forced feeding, solitary confinement, and forced stress positions. And I said in the video, like I really encourage people to go read some stories because when you like really get into the nitty gritty details of what was happening, I don't understand how you can't read it. And like me and my mom were just saying like, my parents are like, well, my stepdad is like, loves fox news and you know he's all on the desantis train and so i'm always trying to explain to like people in my life like yeah and i feel like this has got to be enough for you but like we were just saying you know talking about this video she was just like even if someone like did something to me like i don't think i could fathom them being tortured you know and i'm definitely someone that like obviously i don't i don't know what would have to happen for me to like want someone to be tortured but I'm not sure that there's anything because when you really get into the nitty-gritty of what torture looks like like it's not there's so much darkness there and I don't know how like a god-fearing person could even get into that or just a just a good person forget about yeah, god you know what I mean
0: it's ugly yeah it, it's, ugly. it's it's one of the darkest ugliest aspects of the American empire and it's just been so swept under the rug and so, so- swept watered down and um did you see the mauritanian
1: my mom keeps telling me to watch this movie but i haven't like gone up the courage because i'm like
0: yeah the energy
1: was... i'm like i gotta protect my energy
0: i know i know, I know. it's because i tough. internalize
1: this stuff you know yeah. when i was doing the research for the for the video i like was crying I don't know. So yeah. Well, you,
0: you're you're a human being. Who cares? Yeah. If, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. this stuff this stuff gets it's you. It's
1: emotional and it's serious.
0: It is. It is. It's.
1: It needs to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, so. and we need to keep talking about it and and keep mm. giving a voice to these poor these poor souls. Um, exactly. Yeah, the Mauritanian is about. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but. Um, Mohamedou Olad Sali. Um, oh, okay. And he was he was uh, detained at Gitmo from two thousand two until he was released in twenty sixteen, and um, it, the story life. is just just unbelievable. It's, it's yeah, I really
1: need to watch it.
0: Worth checking I really out, it, I think. And, yeah, and there's just so many stories like that's just one we know about, you know. Exactly. And then, of course, the, the one hundreds, you...
1: yeah, hundreds of stories.
0: So. Mike Preisner goes into that in his Empire Files special. I think, actually, he interviews a guy who was there who recognized Meatball, who, like, was able to identify who okay, it was. Okay, so it's
1: probably the same guy that I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, I think it is.
1: Yeah, because he's, like, been over all these different articles. I just didn't get into it. And there's a um, social media account I follow called AJ Plus. They put out some pretty good work. I know that they're funded by the UAE, but they do it's get like, some price. Al Jazeera? Um. Yeah, I guess it's – yeah, it's Al Jazeera Plus, but hey.
0: – Al Jazeera does good work sometimes it, it's kind
1: of like, like you just have to be able to have your own filters on
0: that's exactly you have to have your own discernment and yeah. you, you have to understand that sometimes they're going to get something right and it's going to be really good and then other times this is just propaganda
1: yeah exactly and, that, and that's with everything People yeah, are yeah. pretty aware of that too people are pretty good at discerning things for themselves I've noticed.
0: Yeah, I, I try to look at as many sources in mainstream and in indie and in semi-mainstream and then even governmental. If you yes. if you if you do a smattering of all of that and look at it as much as you can, it's gonna really help inform your understanding of I
1: put a lot of different pieces together. Um, right. that's actually a big kind of part of my story that I'll get into later of how like my life developed into learning about these things. But yeah, so Um, basically the torture like program in and of itself, it ended in 2004 because the Supreme court, um, gave them habeas corpus, but it didn't really end at all because they just did torture by new means. So like Mm -hmm. for forced feedings, um, and like that included sexual assault in a way because, um, they did force feedings orally and rectally. And there's a story of a guy who because they were force feeding him rectally. And this is just like one of many. And like, it obviously is just like, that is rape, you know? I mean, we know in Abu Ghraib that they literally raped people with their machine guns or whatever they're called. I don't know enough about guns to know what kind of gun it was. But like, it's absolutely vile. And these force feedings, like these are violent. These are people screaming, crying, begging them to stop their bleeding. Like the pain of like a tube like a giant tube going down, your nose, like, it's, it's just, it's horrible. And then on top of that, you know, they're still at risk of having solitary confinement. They're getting beatings if they're not falling in line. Um, I'm sure that there was plenty of other things that were going on too. But they were just now staying hidden because the torture program had to officially end, you know? And so there's so much that we won't ever know because right. it's obviously classified. Um, but yeah. And then there's just like the psychological torment of knowing that, you're going to be held indefinitely without a trial for how many years for the rest of your life, possibly and more people have died in Guantanamo Bay than were ever convicted. Wow. Yeah.
0: People don't realize that that's, that's, it. that's insane.
1: Yeah. And now it's like in this limbo era, you know, and a great person to read on any type of thing that has to do with Guantanamo is Andy Worthington. He's awesome. Um, he's, he's done great work on this. And basically um he has talked about how uh you know they could try to charge or they could try to take all of these cases to federal court but they're not going to do that because then they would have to talk about the torture and it gets into this you know space where that's where the limbo and the cycle comes in just because the defense attorneys are like well we can't have a fair trial unless we can talk about the torture and then obviously the government doesn't want to talk about the torture so they're never going to put it into a federal court to be like truly tried. Um, And then they tried to, you know, come up with a charge to even charge them with they don't even have anything to charge them with. And so the most fundamental charge that they have tried to implement was that these people were quote providing material support for terrorism. And they tried to make that into a war crime, but it's literally just not. So it just creates this cycle where you know, I'm pretty sure that there's 39 people still left at Guantanamo. And um, most of them have been like set to be able to be freed and yet they're still not, you know, they've won their cases and they're still in there. It's, it's been years
0: still in limbo so,
1: because yeah. it, they've created this situation. You know, they chose Guantanamo because they needed to find a place that they could hold all of these prisoners that they had without it being in the reach of us courts. And it's like, there we go. Once again, that's all you need to know. Like why would they want to not be in the reach of us courts? And it's because they don't want to have any sort of due process. They want to hold without charge or trial. Um, so everything that we think of when we think of, you know, law and order or whatever it is in our court system and just innate natural rights, they're all gone. They're all eroded. Um, and they obviously did that because I don't, you know, they wanted to institute torture and, I think they understood that, like, we can't try these people. And they just kind of they just didn't think ahead of the consequences of what it would look like to round up hundreds. And then what are we going to do with them? You know,
0: there was an absolute fervor after 9-11 and uh, just a bloodlust and a bloodthirst
1: 100 percent
0: for revenge for what happened. And so many people suffered needlessly because of that. Yeah. And um, And that's
1: the moments you need your principles the most. That's the moments. that the US Constitution is meant to. It's, you know,
0: yeah. RFK just said this It exists for for hard times and Not for tough for times.
1: Yeah. That's
0: and why it people exists. really
1: forget this though. People just want it. Some people yeah. just justify, justify, justify. It's pretty nuts.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's very much the school that Meatball comes from. I mean, he's basically neocon, Project for New American Century, reloaded, yeah. you know, yeah. because he he's very much of that war on terror neocon bush cheney matrix yes. yeah and, and that, that informs his worldview and obviously a guy you're a young dude and you're like send me to gitmo i want to go to gitmo yeah yep, dude, dude you got to be some kind of special psychopath to seek that out
1: exactly exactly um and he's been bad on his foreign policy i mean across the board in congress he does not have a good record um Critical of, you know, Pentagon spending, but then doesn't do anything to reduce military spending or yeah. pe- Pentagon waste, but right. then doesn't do anything to decrease military spending. He's, you know, worships Israel. If you want do to he, talk about that, go well, listen to Reed's, my podcast with Reed. Yeah,
0: he uh, yeah didn't meatball go over there before he was running to sign a bill, an anti-BDS bill yep. uh, for, for the state of Florida. He went. He made it a point to do that while he was in Israel, correct?
1: Yep, that's right. Yep, he yeah. went on a world tour. I may or may not have a you very a close source to Ron DeSantis. Oh, so really? I things.
0: Really? <laughs>
1: say them, but we'll say them privately.
0: <laughs> oh, I, well, maybe after we're rolling, you hang out with me. Let me know some things. I, that yeah. i want to some gathering
1: thoughts. information. <laughs>
0: you're Jesse Ventura, your intel gathering, Quinn, for the operation. <laughs> and you know what the operation is, Quinn? It's peace. We're, pe- we're peacemongers. We're the peace lobby. Exactly. We want to we want to stop the bombs and stop the torture.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then he's obviously he's horrific on Iran. Like has done yeah, He's a real saber. He yeah. Oh, he
0: he probably was doing backflips when the king executed Suleimani when he drone struck him. Yeah. And and I was just saying today that was the most like scared and worried I was during Trump's whole four years when he drone bombed Suleimani and those other officials there at the airport that that was like oh my god i can't believe he did that
1: that was the time in my life before i had known as much as i do now when i was listening to ben shapiro oh my
0: god <laughs> you, know. poor, you poor thing
1: Look, first, first of all quinn time. facts
0: don't care about your feelings okay <laughs> i don't care about your feelings i'm gonna go fight 12 year old high school kids and own them <laughs> yeah
1: literally That's i'm all he like, does yeah, you're right. Facts don't care about your feelings. So why do conservatives have so many ridiculous feelings uh, when I share with them the facts? You hate America. No. They don't hate babies. America. You just sharing facts. Oh, you're the, just the, getting emotional and you can't. Daily, exactly.
0: <laughs> the Daily Wire like Crowder uh, right wing culture hurts. war yeah. industrial media is it's uh, so painful to watch those those guys it's, they're, 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 they're yeah. just grifters. They're just grifters. They don't have a moral compass.
1: Major, major grifters. It's it's insane to see. And like, I feel like, I don't know. When I was like listening, I didn't, I don't think I realized how bad it was. And I think it just was a matter of taking a step back. But,
0: well, hey, look, that that stuff is a pipeline for a lot of people like into the political world. And, and I get that. Like, yeah, yes. they have, they have a lot of like
2: first step.
0: Yeah, young and fresh faces and they're, mm-hmm. they're culture warriors and, you know, Obviously, they're right about some things, but it's just like they're one-trick ponies. That's it. That's all.
1: That's all yes. they talk
0: about. They yes. own, just the, the culture wars, and, and that's what Meatball's whole thing is. His whole thing is culture wars
1: and wokeness. It, <laughs> it's for, all culture wars.
0: Florida Quinn, the place where woke goes to die. <laughs> I'm, I'm working yeah. on my meatball impression.
1: I really personally make it a point to not make my page about culture. What so? ever. I truly believe it's a distraction. Mm -hmm. I refuse to play into it. I refuse to do anything clickbaity. I could have, I'm sure a lot more followers by now. if I chose to do, you know, short videos that were clickbaity. Like I even know, like I can't make a video that's less than five minutes. I don't know how to do it. It's impossible because I'm not willing to compromise certain information that I need to have on there. That, you know, I don't care if only a hundred people watch it instead of a thousand, those hundred people are going to fully understand the issue and it's going to be totally laid out for them. They're going to understand my opinion because I've laid it out very clearly and it's not going to like, you know what I mean? I just yeah. feel like my like integrity is like, it needs to me on par like yeah. i will not put out anything that's not been thoroughly thoroughly researched again and again and that's my perfection perfectionism a little I, bit
0: too. But. i love that well quinn props to you and that's what just blew me away and impressed me so much about your meatball reel i had to watch it a couple yeah. times and i'm like god that's so good thanks that's so on the money and it, and it was it's not a, a 10 second clip of a uh, you know a bud light you know someone just holding a bud light
2: right and, and then
0: there's the video oh we own the libs <sighs> you know A a video of Kid Rock putting a Bud Light up his ass, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) And it's like, I understand that. Listen, like a lot of people don't know a lot of stuff. Like that's just facts. We all grew up in government schools. I didn't know anything from government school and I was valedictorian. I don't even know what the hell I learned. Like, you know, so I really am like, you can't just say like, People actually need things like Guantanamo Bay broken down for them, especially if they like love Ron DeSantis and they're like, "Well, we probably had to torture those people, so it's fine." And so you got to break it down, like, you know. And I wish it wasn't the case, but I don't blame people for like maybe not fully understanding sometimes things.
0: That's it, Quinn. You have to make things bite-sized, and you can't get mad at people for what they don't know, Mm -hmm. and and jump down their throat and insult and demean their intelligence. Exactly. Because there was a point in time where we didn't know what we now know. Exactly. And somebody helped show us the way. I mean, I think about Bass Lord Scott Horton. Scott Scott Horton has uh, woken so many people yeah. up to the follies of empire.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. And
0: yeah. you know, he does it. He does it with righteous indignation and just fire and facts.
1: Yes, I know.
0: And man. so, like, I my brother and I try to use humor as our way to like stand out with people, and they're like, "Oh, these guys no, are funny." Awesome. And then they'll they'll hear a couple of things that we we'll say, and they'll be like, "Man, I've never heard that before!" Like. That's kind of interesting. Maybe I should like maybe dig into that a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know we keep getting off track. Sorry. This is like typical of no, me. Ah, we can this, go this, in a thousand different directions. Quinn
0: Quinn, this is freeform jazz odyssey with the <laughs> Donald. Okay. You're listening to NPR, the top of the hour. We're gonna have Quinn reading the weather. Okay. It's raining meatballs right now. It's a total disaster. <laughs> it's a complete disaster. <sighs> yeah, so I guess you know, you saying, you know, you were uh, like two when nine eleven happened, so kind of bring me back and and what what yeah. got you onto this path? And just you know, talk a little bit about your background and your upbringing and stuff.
1: Well, should I finish my stuff on DeSantis because I haven't even gotten that far? Yeah,
0: yeah, actually, yeah. If you want to finish the meatball, I even
1: what he's done, yeah, <laughs> the evil that's, that's that a good point. Okay.
0: Okay. okay.
1: So let's be fast about that. So basically, I'm trying to pull up because I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. So, yeah, he got to um, Guantanamo and he was one of Patrick McCarthy, who was um, a captain there, his like main aides. And so basically his entire job was to make sure that the guards and the military personnel adhere to the law. Right. So he's prosecutor. So in other words, he's there to make sure that they can you know, he can bend the law in accommodation to the rules that they're already breaking and the laws that they're already breaking because everything that's happening there is already illegal so you know he talks about like in an interview he gives an example and he's like yeah my job was to give legal advice and he says quote so the commander wants to know how do i combat this and he says so one of the jobs of a legal advisor would be like hey you can actually force feed here's what you can do I'm like, why would he say this in an interview? This is not good for him. Wow. He's smarter.
0: Self incriminating so, meatball.
1: Self incriminating meatball, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and like, like I said, his job description would have included really intimate interactions with the detainees. He's the person they would have gone to to say, hey, this is happening to me. Any accusations of torture or abuse? he's the person they would have gone to. He had contact with them on a daily basis. He looked them in the eyes, you know? And um, that's just kind of what makes the entire thing so much more abhorrent because it's like, ah, uh, you were like so involved. And then your job was to go back and say what the military person could, personnel could do without getting in trouble. Cause let's be honest, that's what really went down, you know? And other prosecutors left. They requested to leave their position because they couldn't morally stay in this position. It was against their legal oath and their, you know, their moral character of them as a human being. And you know, that's not what happened with him. Um, and many prosecutors left and then went and fought against what was happening in Guantanamo. Um, but what Desantis did was leave and then defend Guantanamo, support it. Um, and that's what's crazy. And I, you know, I let everyone know like my brothers in. The u.s air force he went to the air force academy and like he's like full on in and i understand that like a soldier is there to follow orders they have absolutely no say in what's going on you basically give up your entire freedom as a soldier it's really sickening um, to watch and i'm like i say it like in my instagram bio. i am like pro troop anti-war that means something to me um Because people sign up to be brave and do the right thing and fight for freedom or whatever it is that they have in their head. And so I let everyone know, like, obviously, we know that DeSantis is a lieutenant. He's like 27 years old. He has no say in what's going on in Guantanamo. But that's like not the problem. Problem is that he was there. He saw what he saw and he continued to, you know, support this place and defend it. And so as a House member, when he went into Congress in 2012, he was the chairman of the House Oversight Committee on National Security. And so he presided over a congressional hearing on the remaining detainees at Guantanamo Bay. And he opposed closing the base. He opposed transferring the detainees to other countries. He opposed transferring the detainees to a federal prison that's like highly you know, protective, like a really secure federal prison. Um, and he opposed giving detainees normal rights that would be afforded to any typical defendant. And, you know, he just again and again and again touts this lie and repeats this lie that, like, they're all just terrorists. While at this time, Bush had already released, this is in 2012, so Bush had already released hundreds of people. Obama had released hundreds of people because of the fact that they're just, they're just suspects. That's all they are. You have absolutely zero evidence. They have no reason to even be there. And if we were talking about this situation within, like, a U.S., courts and law enforcement perspective, like all these cases would have been thrown out immediately. Well, okay, well, we don't know about that because. But right. But it would have been more upon that type of aspect. They wouldn't wouldn't have
0: lingered for so long.
1: They wouldn't have lingered for so long and it would have been a way bigger deal. But because it's foreigners, I guess. The other thing is we've had like uh, an American citizen in Guantanamo, too, and they didn't know it was an American citizen and then they had to let him go. Wow. Like just craziness. So the fact that he just continues to repeat this lie and is like, he just says really gross things. Like um, he says, these guys should not be treated like they're committing civilian crimes. They should be treated like they're violating the laws of war. What, what, what are you talking about laws of war? What are you even talking about? You have no evidence to back up what you're saying. He wrote on Facebook in 2016 that um, based on his experience in Guantanamo, quote, I know you do not want these terrorists released. Um, and then uh when he was running for governor he made like his military service a major theme in his campaign front and center yeah and in one of the articles i read someone that knew him said that part of the reason he went into the military is because um he had political aspirations and he knew it would look good so yeah
2: Yeah,
1: um and then in his ad it shows him like in his navy uniform and the narrator's like he dealt with terrorists in Guantanamo Bay, right? So he's bragging about it, he's proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just, you know, he says uh, in his subcommittee when he was, you know, chairing that, he talked about how it's a very professionally run facility, it's a very stressful environment for our uniformed personnel who are there. Um, and then the other thing that was pretty crazy, in 2014, when he was doing an interview with Fox News, they asked him about the fact that, you know, It's a huge cost on taxpayers to keep Guantanamo open. And it's one of the most expensive prisons in the world, if not the most expensive prison in the entire world. And he was blamed the cost partially on religious accommodations. So he said Mm. they get three special halal meals a day. They get around the clock medical care. They get the Qurans when they want it. So they're treated far better than they would be treated almost anywhere else. And that's costly.
0: What they need that round-the-clock medical care for? Yes,
1: exactly. I was like, round-the-clock medical
0: care. Yeah, for, for all it the torture that meatball's signing off on?
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Um. And wow. then he says crazy stuff. Like, he characterizes claims of abuse from the detainees and from their defense lawyers um, as a uh, – he basically just basically says, like, the detainees are using things like detainee abuse – offensively against us. It's a tactic, technique and procedure.
0: Yeah. That's some psi- psi- meatball psy hopping right there.
1: Yes, and then he called like their hunger strikes, as they'll who do hunger strikes, um, you know, in protest to their abuse. He calls it a jihad against the United States. I'm pretty sure you don't know what the word jihad means, but moving on. Like, how is a hunger strike a jihad against the United States? I mean, that's like the only
0: thing these guys had available to them to do anything about what was happening. Yeah,
1: there. exactly. It's 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 strange. So, yeah, he just thinks it's like an attempt to work the system. But it's like, yeah, what is even in your it's, brain It's a
0: cognitive dissonance and it's explaining away and just trying to really like whitewash it and burnish his own credentials and just present himself as a decorated patriotic meatball. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then the last thing that like, I'll finish up with here too is like, you know, because before I was doing this, I was Republican. And so I'm always like all about small government and, and the constitution and all these things that I thought Republicans believed in. And so I just like Scott Horton says, like attack the right from the right, you know, I try to let people know, like, Guantanamo was an innovation and it was established through just horrific policies that, you know, took congressional or took executive power to the next level during the Bush era. And like the theory that underpins the innovation that is Guantanamo is called unitary executive theory. And it basically means that when the president wants to, he's entitled to act unilaterally without interference from Congress or the judiciary. So essentially, it's a theory that has this concept, it was based off of a theory that has a concept of like a complete erosion of separation of powers and checks and balances and all these things that, whatever his face, freaking meatball, you know, (laughs) claims to believe in, you know? (laughs) So even from his own standpoint, it makes no sense, which obviously to me, like, this is obvious, like, of course, he's inconsistent. That's no surprise. Every politician essentially is. And he also supports Section 720 of FISA and supports, you know, spying on American citizens, all the good stuff. So it's like, he doesn't believe in law and order, clearly doesn't believe in inalienable rights. He doesn't understand, apparently, you know, declaration of or Bill of Rights, Constitution, anything like that. So the whole thing is just pretty nuts. But yeah
0: it is yeah you just you just made the case right there and i i really recommend you know people don't just take quinn and myself's word for this um this guy man he's 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 a nasty customer and i i just don't believe he has any business becoming president
2: yeah, and uh not.
0: you know i want to get his record out there because they they are just gonna <clears throat> wrap the whole meatball sigh off in a flag mm-hmm. and they're just gonna present it to us that he's a patriot and he's a He's uh, you know, good old conservative boy and, and they, they don't want they don't want to be asked or talked about this, you know? Yeah. So exactly. it's independent media and people like us. It's it's falling on us to do this and have these conversations and, and yes. bring to light this information that I think and is the very...
1: establishment is fawning over him. Oh and well the Daily Wire drools oh, over him. They say yeah. so hard. They, like
0: they're meatball simps, aren't they?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, you have the fraction of the king, MAGA, who are going to be loyal to their king no matter what. He's going to have that 30% no matter what. And with more candidates jumping in the GOP clown car, the king only needs that 30% to win the nomination. So, I mean, DeSancta is going to – he's puffed up by super PACs and a few billionaires that left Trump. Um, But I I will say, you're probably excited about this too. The debates are going to be amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: It's (laughs) – Entertainment that we're going to get I once, guess. once, once the. Uh, sometimes I call Trump the Emir too. Once the Emir gets up there against the Meatball, it's it's going to be everything. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be something that pay per view, quite frankly, and WrestleMania could have never dreamed of. Okay, ratings so high that they're almost as high as Hunter Biden, but not quite. Okay, not quite. But yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that, and you know, obviously. Uh, it, you discover more information i'll be i'll be sharing your stuff and telling my audience about it because it's uh you know just it, it's very important information and really kudos to you for for digging that up thank you putting it out there um so yeah i guess we can we can turn to some lighter things and, mm-hmm. and
2: uh, <laughs> Wait for the torture talk. yeah
0: because i mean like you said earlier i mean you do you delve into this stuff and, and, it, and it really um it sears your soul you know my it's my heavy. My brother and I have been digging really deep into this stuff basically since 9 11. So we're looking at like wow. 22 years each. So I tell people my brother and I, the Jackman brothers, are 44, uh, collectively 44 year brain trust of knowledge. Yes. About the war on terror, about 9 11, about the Iraq war, WMDs, all the lies, the media, the Bush yes. administration, PNAC. I mean, these guys were like the boogeymen when I was in high school. Like Tom Ridge with his color chart of the, the Homeland Security terror alert level. I mean, that that's like my boogeyman in high school.
1: I know. It's crazy. I feel like I have so much catching up to do. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job because I just have. read, 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 it's, read, 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 read. It's but, seriously
0: really, really impressive. But year. yeah,
1: it's, it's rough because I feel like there's so much catching up to do. And I feel like I'm at a place where I'm like, I know what I need to know about like Ukraine, Russia, because it's happening in my time, you right. know, and I can really keep up with it. But going back into and just trying to understand like, the culture of the time and you know what the temperature was like and what was really happening. It's like, I'll never know truly because it wasn't there. It, wasn't it, was, around.
0: it was scary. I mean, there, there were times where there was, there was time where there was no TSA. They didn't have that to get on a plane.
1: I know it's wild. Um,
0: for it's a generation wild. of people, they, they don't know that reality. Yeah. They, they don't know a, a world pre nine eleven where that just permeation of fear and propaganda and you know, hatred and othering of a group of people
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that, you know, is, is. And now
1: they just act like nothing's happened.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, same with the,
1: the
0: not... flu world order. Think think about how batshit people went during the flu world order with mandates and lockdowns and masks mm-hmm. and shaming people who didn't want to get a certain boop boop.
1: Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden.
0: Those, those people were the loudest. Now they're silent. Yeah. And it's like it didn't happen and you could say the same thing about the 9 11 iraq war generation i mean donald rumsfeld passes away and we got to have like tributes for him and salutes and yeah. you, you know the, these people who just were a blight on humanity and and just comm- absolutely were, were, were instrumental in making sure this torture happened and the lies of wmds mm-hmm. um, so i'm just i'm really it it, it blows me away and it gives me a lot of hope to see someone like you digging into it and presenting it now to a new generation. So you're, you're, you're carrying the torch, you know,
2: <laughs> Doing so my best.
0: yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. So you're to be, you're to be, you're to be applauded and commended for that. Um, so we've got some comments here. It looks like one of our favorite viewers. It's his birthday today. Uh, I be Denmark.
2: Happy birthday.
0: I Happy be, birthday, um, JC says, can Lindsey Graham take time from his busy Russian prison schedule to give I.B. Denmark a birthday shout out? <laughs> Wow, You know that Auntie, Miss Senator Lindsey Graham can certainly do that for you, I.B. <laughs> J- JC, what a, what a great person you are, putting that down. And I, I was visiting some, some prisons over there. We were, we were looking to do some remodeling over there. I was with Martha Stewart. Some of the blinds and the shades aren't that nice. And then I went on an aircraft carrier because those boys in the Mediterranean Sea, they need sunscreen because it's really hot over there. (laughs) But, yeah, happy birthday, IB. And thank you for always supporting this channel. And, And, JC, that was very kind of you. Thank you very much. Let's see. What else do we got? Got another one. Why does nobody remember UC Berkeley law professor John Yu who made torture in Guantanamo legal for the Bush administration? Oh, wow. Yes, I. It's not
1: a name John, I came across.
0: Yeah, John. Thanks for remembering or putting that name out there. That's a name I haven't thought of for years, and um, I'd have to go back and d- put take the dust off my mind um, about John Yu, But definitely something people should look at because he was he was part of it for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna write that down.
0: Yeah, I'll put that back up so you can see it. John Yu. Johnny U. Johnny U. Torturer. You torturing dog, you. Let's see. Fire Pixie says some of us remember and don't stop talking about it. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, that's the thing. I, mean, I put out a post um, on my Facebook, and I'll tell you what. I was pretty buttoned up and quiet during the whole flu world order thing. I obviously felt how I how I felt about it, and um, was, there was no way in hell they were going to jab me with that thing. Yeah, um, But I, I didn't want to fight with members of my own family. I didn't want to fight with mm-hmm. people I've been friends with most of my life, my neighbors, colleagues. So I kept pretty quiet. But the video just came out um, by Matt Orphelia called Nobody is Safe, where it's a 12-minute clip of him just taking the media and all the talking heads and all the propagandists and the politicians and the actors and the Hollyweird dummies ganging up and bullying people who were like well wait a minute i want to do more research on this and this thing has a 99 percent survival rating and it's really the elderly who we need to be concerned about um so what i said about it um if you don't mind i'll read it it's just a couple paragraphs i said this is probably the best summation of what it was like and during the insults snark belittling gaslighting shaming and overall irrational childlike behavior from so many people during the flu world order I largely kept quiet to avoid fighting and confrontation, but this video captures exactly how I felt the whole time and how I continue to feel. The people who behave this way know who they are, and I would hope at least feel some kind of shame and regret, but maybe not. My hope is that we can examine this time period and recognize how powerful fear and propaganda are. We should also realize that these psychopaths are not our friends and do not give a damn about you or I. These are the same deranged outlets that lied about WMDs, the Iraq War, torture, and everything else. It was certainly with that in mind why I knew not to watch or listen to them during this madness, or any time for that matter. I hope it was eye-opening for a lot of people who for too long had their heads in the sand. For those of us who were steadfast in their conviction to not play into the madness and forsake others for a difference of opinion, I salute and I stand with you.
1: Nice. I love that. That was really, really well put.
0: Thank you. Really yeah, well. That was like three years of bottled up. Yeah. Angst.
1: Yeah. I you know, know. I feel like I didn't really talk too much about it either because I, it was one of those things where it's like, it's one of those subjects where I felt like I don't have the authority to speak on it because I don't know enough about it to speak offhand. You know what I mean? Sure. So I'm not willing to like, say things if I haven't, if I don't really, really know it, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it was one of those things where it's like, I knew it because other people knew it so well, but wow. I didn't, it's not enough to like be able to bring that to everyone else. And so I just kind of just didn't talk about that's, it at all.
0: That's fair. But you know, the other side, even though they didn't know, they may even might even know. Well, that's best. a funny thing. It's and like, and they didn't I, they the the and then
1: say whatever they need to they, say. Yeah. They,
0: were, they, could, they could shame you and bully exactly. you and name call and you a little it.
1: They definitely know way they,
0: less than I even they watch, knew. They, they unironically watch MSNBC and that angry little boy, Rachel Maddow. Okay, Quinn, she's the angriest little boy I've ever seen. She's just horrible. Okay, and then you got, you got Joe and Mika. Mika Brzezinski, she begged me to come to Mar-a-Lago, and she was bleeding from her face from a box surgery very badly. She was bleeding very badly. That's when we, that's when we love Trump, when he does that kind of stuff. Um
1: you know, he is funny. I can't deny it. Don't he, like he, him, but yeah, he makes you, can, me laugh.
0: you can recognize how funny he is. Right. Like when yeah. when I interviewed RFK Jr., um, I said, he's fun, though, Bobby. Right. And he said, yeah, he is fun. And, and then Bobby told me he, he sued Trump twice. Actually, he was involved in a couple of lawsuits against Trump. And while those were going, Trump still invited Bobby to fly with him on his jet down to Palm Beach during the holidays. Wow. Um, and Bobby did it. You know, in New York, everyone knows each other and in the right. uh, high society. Yes. And wh- what it was was Bobby's wife was looking for a way to get the family down to Palm Beach for the holidays. And Bobby said, well, we can go and do that if you someone can come up with a jet for us and just we can fly down there. And someone pulled through. And you know who it was who pulled through with that jet, Quinn? It was me. OK, <laughs> it was me. I offered up the jet and uh yeah in our interview bobby tells a funny story how uh pulp fiction was playing on the plane and his kids were pretty young so he didn't he didn't want them watching it but it's uh it's all crazy stuff so john here says it's john U spelled john and then y-o-o not you sorry he says okay
1: do you still want to get into other stuff
0: yeah, yeah. So I I'm just I'm curious in your your background and what kind of put you down this path and and who like were your early influences? Who were the people that told you about some of the stuff or, you know, just put yeah. you down the path you're on?
1: Yeah, I grew up um, with parents that, you know, just Republicans. So obviously they were into Bush at the time and I remember like McCain and um Mitt Romney. But I remember my parents didn't really like either candidate, you know, at the time. So they were like kind of on the edge of like could go for the Trump in 2016 when it came around. Because um, I think they saw like the BS that was happening with McCain and Mitt Romney. And they really were like small government type Republicans. And so I kind of grew up always a little bit interested in politics and, you know, really enjoyed learning about American history and the Constitution and these like, principles, freedom, liberty, all that stuff. And so then, um, but I grew up like also in high school, like Ben Shapiro every single day. Like that was like my time in high school because I was in high school from 2013 to 2017. And so it was just all Ben. (laughs) And I (laughs) also really liked Glenn Beck and I read like basically every single one of Glenn Beck's books who, okay, sometimes I kind of like Glenn Beck as a person a little bit, um, I think he has some, you know, crazy takes sometimes, but I don't know. There was sometimes a little ray of light for, for him, even though he was so horrible back in the day. But at <laughs> least he's, like, repentant persons, okay? There's, there's, a definitely,
0: there's an allure. There's definitely an allure. There's some
1: type of allure. And I know that, like, as a man, I think he's a good man. I really do kind of get that. Maybe.
0: I mean, he's is he with the Blaze,
1: right? Yeah, he's with the Blaze, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's like the big bah with the blaze, the blaze too. They're very much in the culture war, but sometimes for sure. they'll have good based people on who are concerned about the things we're concerned about.
1: Right. Exactly. So that was kind of like my background all growing up. And then when I was 15, um, you know, mind you, I was born in Vegas, lived in Utah. We lived in South America for a year as a family. And Ooh. then we moved to Idaho because that's where my grandparents lived. And so I went to high school in Idaho. And so I had never, literally, not joking you, I'd never met someone from the Middle East, ever. I'd never met a Muslim, like, nothing. I lived in white America. And I, when I was 15, I, you know, I grew up very, you know, religious. We grew up Mormon or LDS. And, um, and... I was reading, like, some essays about uh, Islam when I was, like, 15, and it was the first time I had actually really even learned about anything that had to do with Islam. At that point, the only other thing that I'd ever learned was, like, in a seventh grade class one day during, like, class just for one single day for, like, social studies. Other than that, I knew nothing about that religion, and I don't know why it shocked me so much, but it went from knowing nothing to being, like, oh, this is actually a sister religion of Christianity. In my head, I was thinking it's like the most foreign thing possible from Christianity. I had literally no idea about anything. And um, I learned, you know, it's an Abrahamic religion. We all go back to Abraham, everything up until Abraham, we essentially believe the same things, um, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And then especially uh, with Mormonism, there's like a lot of different parallels. And so that's what really interested me. Just like a few doctrine parallels and then just culturally, like with families, uh, you know, not a lot of like drinking or anything like that, kind of a little bit more strict on certain things. And so I was just fascinated. And a little bit of me was just kind of like, why didn't I know any of this? Or like, why does it seem like none of the adults around me know any of this, like not even close? And that was really interesting to me. So I kind of went down this path of wanting to learn more about Islam. And just because I really think religion is absolutely fascinating. Um, and I probably call myself more spiritual than religious, but I'm just like super open-minded about religion. I'm pretty spiritually fluid. Like I think that every religion is professing truth in some aspect. I don't think any of us have it more right than the other, to be honest. Right. Maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that. Um, but that's just my view on things. And so I just, I just found it really fascinating to see like how – much we come together and how much we're the same rather than we're different. And then that led me to learn more about, you know, a little bit more about foreign policy. And I really actually went into it with such a confirmation bias thinking like, I wanna learn about what made these Muslims like hate Americans, you know? And that's like the approach I had going into learning about it. And so it's actually really interesting because although that was my approach and I was kind of searching for that type of bias, um and i started off reading books that would maybe go along with that um i found myself all of a sudden you know learning more and more about the middle east more about the religion more about the culture more about the language and then more about the foreign policy and the wars and all of a sudden it was like i was i'm really glad that this was my approach because i was i didn't come from it of a place of like i'm anti-war so let me read all these anti-war books it was like i'm pro-war you know, I thought war was necessary and I thought everything that we did there was right and good and for a reason. And I thought it had all to do with like Islam and like religious extremism and, you know, nothing to do with what it actually has to do with. But because I was reading so much, I suddenly just started putting all the puzzle pieces together. And I was like, this doesn't make sense with this. And this doesn't make sense with this. And none of these things are lining up in the way that I thought they were going to line up. And so I. I just think that's amazing. Cause it's kind of, for me, it was like when I sought after truth with like a genuine seeking of truth, that's really just what was brought to the table. Um, and I just thought that was really special. And so I went to school at Brigham Young University and I studied Middle Eastern studies and Arabic. Um, I was only there for a year left. It just was not the school for me. And I wasn't fond of like, just the way that we learn in a university. So I moved to Italy. And then when I was in Italy, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move to Jordan Um, because I really want to, because I had traveled a bit on my own at that point, um, like around the world. And so I felt comfortable doing it. Um, And at this point I knew enough about the Middle East that I knew like where to go, where it's going to be the most safe for like a single young woman and things like that. Anywhere in the world you go, obviously you have to be aware of those things. Yeah. I'm going to go to Detroit. I'm going to be away (laughs) what the hell is going on (laughs) and where are my surroundings? Um, My parents weren't like crazy about it, but yeah, I found myself in Jordan in 2019, kind of moved there without a plan. I started taking Arabic classes and then I ended up getting like an internship um, doing some like religious freedom work. And then I met my fiance and he is Palestinian and he's Muslim. And, um, he's awesome. He's lived all the world, all over the world as well. Um, he speaks Russian, he speaks fluent English, he speaks Arabic. He's like the best ever. He's amazing. And showing up in Jordan, I was able to just learn so much obviously from being there. And that's why I went there in the first place was just to have like a real hands-on experience. And every country in the middle East is very, very different from each other, like very, very different. So whenever people ask me, I'm like, okay, well, depends where you are, you know, um, Saudi Arabia is very different than Jordan. The capitals of every country is very different than the other cities in the country, you know? Um, but one of the major revelations I had was I went and lived in Jordan as like full on Zionist, like (laughs)
2: loved
1: Israel. And the funny thing is that I, was like that with very very limited knowledge of what the issue was really even about and i had been listening to ben shapiro for like five years Hmm. you know what else am i gonna of
0: course you're gonna that's gonna think
1: any differently
0: that's what you had in your head about it and so
1: i was the perfect example of someone who had such a strong opinion about something i knew literally nothing about but i just had like my few talking points you know that i got from charlie kirk and ben Shapiro. And it was a pretty good slap in the face for me that was needed. Um, But the good thing is like, I went there like, I really wanna know what's really going on, you know? And so I'm thankful that I wasn't like hardheaded enough to just like, you know, whatever, not listen to the knowledge that I was given. And then all of a sudden here I am, you know, about to get married to a Palestinian. And um, he was the first person that kind of was like, wait a second. I'm going to send you a couple videos to watch. And then I got really, really, really interested in Israel, uh, Palestine. Like that's one of the things I've probably the most read on, um, especially because now it's like personal. (laughs) Yeah. You know?
0: Right. Palestinian fiance and you're going to be his family is now your family and
1: exactly and my kids one day right. and um most jordanians or most people in jordan they're either you ask it's like a normal question like are you palestinian jordanian or are you jordanian jordanian because it's all palestinians after
0: the nakba i mean a lot of them went to jordan
1: yeah exactly they yeah they like basically built jordan um yeah yeah, they run all like the banks, all the businesses. The Jordanians like only have the government and that's like their only is, little bit of power that, thing out there.
0: Is that King Hussein who runs Jordan?
1: Um, I think it's King Abdullah.
0: Or Abdullah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and he was like a fighter pilot in his day.
1: Um, Yes, I believe so. And he's uh, British too.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. and that, that's another thing a lot of people don't realize, a lot of the leaders in the Middle Eastern countries have Western educations. Oh and, yeah. And grew up, you know, very I mean, westernized and liking the west.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, I actually want to look. Yeah, it's King Abdullah of Jordan. Ab-
0: Abdullah, okay. Who's yeah. King Hussein? Where is he?
1: I think where that are, was his dad. Okay. But there's I don't know, there's That's, you know, there's tons of Husseins. There's lots yeah, of Yeah, it was his dad. It was his dad. Okay.
0: Yeah, he he was the he was the dad. Just mm-hmm. like uh Assad's father was uh he's Bashar al-Assad and his father was uh Faisal.
1: Faisal al Assad.
0: I think F- that's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Well, that, that's that's how you like really get to brass tacks about another culture and a part of the world and society. You go live with them. Mm-hmm. Go over there and meet them. You know, because
2: exactly like
0: you said, this narrow understanding that we have, especially here in America, um, is a pro-Israel media. We're just given oh my God. talking yeah. points and propaganda from the moment we're born. Um, and you have to, you have to seek out the alternative sources of information and knowledge to that conflict on your own, or you have to be, you have to be made aware of it.
1: Yeah. And there's so much fear mongering that goes along with it. I remember when I came home, I came home, um, right before COVID happened just to visit. And then I ended up getting stuck in the U S and, um, my mom, you know, my parents, they came home having spent so much time there and like just in this whole different world it's like it's very foreign it's foreign and yet not there's a lot of like americanized things there and stuff but she was just very concerned about me being with like an arab man and she had you know all these stereotypical th- stereotypical things in her head which is like yeah we all have stereotypes for a reason <laughs> you know and there's Certain things, but we're all individuals ultimately is what it comes down to, right? And right. then there was just this aspect of all of a sudden I was like telling all her the whole other things about like Palestine and stuff like that. And you know, at first it's like put the brakes on because you're telling me things that are like crushing my entire worldview and it's like scaring me, you know. And I know my mom's gonna listen to this and be like, why are you saying this about me? Because she's we, wonderful. We love so you,
0: far. we love you, mom. We love your you, daughter. Know? And you she did a knows, like.
1: I've had to crush my whole family's worldviews.
0: Well, you know what? You you are living your own life, experiencing your own life and your own truth, and they gotta respect that.
1: Well, and they've come around too. But we yeah. were all not same, you know, we're pretty like tight knit. So it's like Yeah. Just trust me on this one. <laughs> and it's cool the way that they've learned as well and seen things differently. Right.
0: Well, that's that's exactly it. You know, you go to other parts of the world or you have friends. Um, you mentioned, you know, meeting Muslim or someone who's Arab. I didn't really know anybody um, until when I was in college. We had a gal I was in college with here in New Hampshire from Iraq. Yeah, and I never knew anyone from Iraq. All I knew about Iraq was what I saw on the TV screen and yeah. what I heard about some of my peers. Now had gone over there. They were gung ho to go over there initially, and then they came back and uh, they were like, "Dude, that we have no business. I mean that, that this this thing is this thing is a, a moral occupation and just." Mm-hmm a uh, front to any, anything, uh, right. And it's
1: just a mess Yeah, strategically from their own like viewpoint. Like it, it makes is, sense.
0: it was interesting because uh, her name was Diana and I became very good friends with her and she was very pro U S invading and overthrowing Saddam. Hmm. Whereas my posture at the time was, I was against the war and I was against the occupation and I tried to, you know, we had many amazing and beautiful conversations about it. And I'll just forever be grateful um, to her friend for her friendship and learning about her country. And, you know, because where where else I didn't get to have that kind of conversation. And and I wish I wish a lot of people, especially the people making decisions about war and peace, could go and hang out with the population of a country we're about to destroy or bomb. And yeah, people like um, one of one of the reasons I love Tulsi Gabbard so much and, and really got into her and worked on her campaign in 2020, she went to Syria. She was a sitting member of Congress, and she had so much guts and courage and was so base that she gave a middle finger to the entire foreign policy establishment, Uniparty in DC, and went over there to see what was going on for herself.
2: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Now, I wish that there was a member of Congress or someone in power who was gonna be part of the decision to authorize war in the Middle East that would have gone over to Iraq um, and checked out what was going on for themselves
1: yeah i mean and we know that anyone who especially during those bush years you know said that this is not a good idea this doesn't make sense for x y and z they're just they're fired i mean like the the biggest thing about dc is it's you go along to get along so whatever the set narrative is if you don't fit into that box that's it for you you know you could be, that's what I always try to explain to people. It's like, there is really smart people that know what they're talking about and they understand the ins and outs of the middle East and how confusing that place is. And yeah. you know, the feuds and the tribalism and all these different aspects, but when they have their set narrative, they're not going to be listening to you. You're not going to rise um, on that ladder. You know, it's like, it's like a corporate ladder. It's like, you have to kiss all the ass, say yeah. the right things yeah. and if you do that then you're in a good position. And if you don't, that's it
2: right you're and you out have here. all
1: like the political aspects political capital all these like different layers to it. it's just nuts but but yeah so that's kind of my experience and then um when did i find scott i i found dave smith on joe rogan okay in
2: 2020
1: and i remember just randomly listening to that episode and i was like who is this guy right. he's saying everything that i've ever thought <laughs> <laughs> And he's like saying things that make so much sense to me. And it was like, I was just searching for like some type of like guidance on like what to do because my political world is like, I'm like lost politically. I don't know like where to go or what to do. And I remember in high school, I would always say something like, oh, I lean more libertarian because my older brother would always say something like that. But I didn't actually really know what that meant. Yeah.
0: It sounded good.
1: It sounded good. (laughs) And I used to say the exact thing that maybe you're not supposed to say, which is like, I'm, like, socially liberal, but, like, fiscally, fiscally conservative. conservative.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had that, I, I that spiel for a while. Yeah, and then
1: so. as a Dave, I found Scott. And right. then Scott Horan just, like, changed my entire life. Like, yeah. literally changed my entire life. I read everything I could. I would listen to all of his interviews. Like, I went down the archive on him. And, yeah, I've read uh, enough already, like, five times. Wow. That book is, like, torn apart i've given like everyone i know a copy of it <laughs> stocking um,
0: stuffer for christmas
1: and then i've read every single book that was cited in enough already wow <laughs> so Damn. i'm going deep
0: doing doing your homework yeah, yeah. so your uh your mom is watching
1: oh my gosh
0: and she oh, <laughs> say, no she <laughs> said i'm listening i'm the very proud mama of quinn she's a genius tiffany i tend to agree she's a very stable genius like me Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I send my mom these links. I think she knows how to work YouTube. She's, you know, she's, she's like 60, 66, 67. So yeah.
1: Sometimes yeah. She,
0: she struggles with the tech, but Have she saw my, my interview with Bobby Kennedy and she liked it. So that made me feel good.
1: Oh my God. The fact that you even had him on was like, oh. I was like, I'm going on a podcast that. JFK was on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: JFK, RFK got, was on.
0: <laughs> I got JFK right behind me. Yeah, well, his his nephew. Um, and I have to say, when I was interviewing him, looking into his eyes, I, I saw his father, Bobby Kennedy, and I saw his uncle, JFK, and I just, like, I felt a Celtic spirit, you know, a warrior spirit so of cool. truth. I done Somebody... a
1: couple interviews with him, and I like, I like his vibe for sure. Yeah. And if yeah, I he... had, like, had to vote for someone, it's obviously going to be him, you know.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm hearing that from a lot of people from all across the spectrum who are tired of the uniparty, tired of the warmongers, yeah. tired of, of all the bullshit. And I make this point that Trump like called out the deep state and said it for what it was, but he didn't really do much against it. Well, uh, we didn't
1: do anything, and he's our, just like, putting stuff out there and seeing how it lands.
0: Yeah, we're gonna yeah like, exactly. Just throwing lasagna at the wall, and yeah, and uh, we need the wall. We're gonna build the wall. It's under budget and ahead of schedule. Believe me, Queen, it is, and um. Bobby understands what the deep state is because they were part of what killed his uncle and his father, and uh, this guy has sued all the government agencies. He sued major corporations. He helped clean up the Hudson River in New York. I mean, he's a serious dude. And
1: yeah, he really is, and he actually knows what he's talking about.
0: He knows what he's talking about. I mean,
1: he has opinions and arguments and knows details and all these yeah. things that you haven't seen from politicians. Like, oh, him.
0: it's so refreshing. And then you know what? When he's wrong, when he's wrong about when he's wrong about something, he likes being corrected and he'll own up to it.
1: Yeah. Like a normal, smart person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: it's, um, I'm real excited about it. And um, I know it's an uphill battle, but just him being in the race, saying the things he's saying with the platform he has is, uh, it's really inspiring.
1: It's awesome. It's super cool.
0: Yeah. It's been really good. All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour 12. We'll go through a couple more comments here and then we can, we can wrap up. I.B. Dunbar says RFK Jr. 2024. Absolutely. We need critical thinking. Add Jr. to the name, please. Well, I did. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. JC says Tulsi, RFK Jr. and a few others will be at Porkfest next month. Yes, they will.
1: Oh, I was debating whether I was going to go, and now I'm 100,000% going to be
0: there. need to talk to the fiancé. need to book tickets to New Hampshire tonight. Okay.
1: I'll be going alone, but
0: okay. Well, you you gotta book your ticket. Um, yeah, I, I went to the last two Pork Fests, and I spoke last year with Reed, um, and Reed and I will be there. I'll I'll be at Pork Fest with. i was gonna RFK ask Junior. you actually if
1: you were gonna be there.
0: Yep, I'll be there for RFK Jr. Um, and then I'll be there for when Tulsi's there. So um, we can goodness. we can wrap about that afterwards. Yeah. All right. So Tulsa. yeah.
1: Her anti-regime change, she just needs to work on her stance more. Oh, for sure she needs to work on her stance with war and terror. She still, you know, spouts the lie that we, you know, we're fighting for our freedom and things like that. And, you know, the typical stuff, but it's better than nothing. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, she was, you know, reminded me a lot of Ron Paul and, you know, her being the only one with a national profile in 2020 talking about the things she was.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to yeah. meet people where they're at. Yeah. And
0: I, I like that. And, and that's, that's how I've always been with things. And I think that's how you win people over. You can't come at them with piss and vinegar.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I tend to get in my like space where I'm like, I need to be like super pure on like my ideology and things like that. Cause it does matter, but whatever. at some yeah. point.
0: <laughs> well, awesome. Quinn. Well, I included the links to um, your information where people okay, can find so. your work and your Instagram um, and, and you know how to check out what you're up to. Okay. Um, so yeah I really you know appreciate you joining us tonight and um, yeah, thank you so much absolutely we'll have to have you on again and keep uh, keep up the great work there
1: thanks thank you yeah. again for having me
0: absolutely my pleasure I enjoyed it well everybody thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jackman Radio I'm your host Eric Jackman and the best way to support this channel is to go to patreon.com slash jackman radio we're up to 39 monthly patrons right now and I love you guys you uh, help keep us going. We just want to keep growing. Um, that will help us continue to put out interviews like the one we did at RFK Jr. That was an amazing high-end, high-quality production, but that costs, it costs serious money, Quinn, to do those things. <laughs> so if we can keep building the patrons and get up to 300 400 uh, you know, contributing 5 or $10 a month, we can keep rocking and rolling and doing epic stuff and traveling and flying to conferences and interviewing people and flying guests to New Hampshire and all kind, all kinds of cool stuff so thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, be sure to subscribe to this channel and find us on Twitter at Jackman radio and I will check you on the next episode have a great one